Seriously, who can live up to that introduction? Y'all, really? Hey, Suffers Creek Church, it's so great to be here, and I'm honored to share this morning with y'all. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to do a quick reminder of where we've been because we've had two weeks off. We celebrated Focus Weekend, which I heard was an astounding success, and then we had Easter Sunday. So what we're picking up today is the thank you um, <clears throat> the Sermon on the Mount. We were in a series of the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. And as a reminder, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus is a Jew. His disciples are Jews. Maybe some other people gathered around, all Jewish listeners, right? Jesus' teachings through the Sermon on the Mount raise the bar from the written law to the spirit of the law. You may remember Pastor um, Sean mentioned Matthew 5.21. Remember, Jesus said, you have heard it said, speaking to the Jews who knew all the written law, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you, you get angry at your brother and you are in danger of the fire of hell. So he takes the written law and we're, we're moving on up. So these teachings, the, the intent of these teachings is to show the Jews and every one of us who is reading the Bible today <clears throat> that it is impossible to meet God's standard for righteousness by obeying the law. It is impossible to reach God's standard for righteousness by obeying the law. They could not reach the standard by the written law, and they could not reach the standard by the spirit of the law. So Jesus was preparing the people to understand how much they needed a savior. And how was he going to save them? How was he going to save them? Well, John 3, 17 and 18 says, God did not, did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him, through Christ. And so how does he save it through Christ? Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no man can boast. How amazing is grace when compared to the futility of the law? How amazing. Amen. Can we get an amen for amazing grace? Amen. It is the only way. So today's message is also in Matthew. We're in chapter 6, 24 through 34, and I entitled today's message, God's Priorities. Chapter 6 is commonly referred to as how God expects the relationship between man and he to work, Okay. So he starts by saying, 624, <clears throat> no one can serve two masters. Either he hates the one and loves the other, or vice versa, he is devoted to one and despises the other. You cannot serve God and man. That's the NIV version. You cannot serve God and man. Many other translations use the word mammon, Okay, it's an older word, and I like to look at that word today because it's a little bit more encompassing, okay? Mammon is all things that 
take us away from our focus on God. They are money, possessions, fame, recognition, all those things are up there. Anything we might value more than the Lord. If you were here last Sunday, um, we had two incredible testimonies. Bob Walker was one of those testimonies, and he spoke of a time in his career where his career was his mammon. You might have remembered, he said it wasn't really the remuneration, it wasn't really the money, but it was the status, the glitz and the glory, and the recognition from others. That was his mammon. And then he spoke of the consequences of that time and the effect that that time had on his family. And while there may not be significant negative consequences every time, there are consequences nonetheless. Because you see, God loves us so much, and he knows that when we make anything, anything, a priority over him, we cannot walk in freedom. We are double-minded, and we cannot walk in freedom. And that's why he says, not you must not, or maybe you shouldn't. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. Here are some examples of mammon in Scripture. Their belly was their mammon. Their ease, their sleep, their vacations, their pastimes, their worldly riches or possessions. And last, their praise honor, or attention of others. Mammon or God, they are rival claims on our life. Mammon and God represent rival claims on our life. It is a choice point. We can serve the world, ignoring God and using all the temporal things. Or we can put God first and reject self. If you think that you can live an abundant life with one foot in each camp, that is a fateful and vain delusion. One foot in each camp is a delusion because God knows that you cannot live in freedom when you serve someone besides him. And he loves us too much. It is his great love for us that he says, do not, you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, he knows our frame. He knows that our heart can only successfully serve one master. And Joshua said it beautifully. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. I pray that I remember that and recall it to mine and say it to myself every morning. Mary, choose this day whom you will serve. I'm kind of an applications girl. I like a lot of information, but I need a way to kind of incorporate it and process it. 
And so when I read a lot of stuff, I said, how am I going to remember this? So I came up with these three words, reflect, refocus, and rest. And reflect, um, I heard this yesterday, actually, John Maxwell said this about reflection. I thought it was excellent. He says, reflection turns experience into insight. Isn't that good? Reflection, looking back, turns those experiences into insight. What's an insight? Insight is the capacity to gain a deep and accurate understanding of a person or a thing. So reflection serves to turn an experience into an insight. So when I reflect on this, you cannot serve God or mammon, I can say, where am I double-minded? Where is my focus? And, And let me send out a word of caution. This reflect, we don't do this very often, and the reason why we don't do it is because it takes time, and we don't want to do that. And it's, it takes courage, because inside this reflection time, we have to be really honest with ourselves, And we don't like to do that. So reflection is so important. And then in that time of reflection, when we find what we are serving, and we find the place that we are double-minded, that's so important because once we find it, we can acknowledge it. And we have to own it because what you don't own, you do not control. So once we own it, then we can refocus it. And we can take our time, attention, affection, and resource away from that and turn back to God. That's what that word repent means, to turn back. So we refocus our time, attention, affection, and resources. And then rest. Here's another thing we don't do well. We don't like to rest because we are on to the next thing. We're ready to do more, be more. And sometimes in the Christian world, we do that. We do the do more, be more. God never said, do more, be more, and I'll bless you more. He never said that. He is not about do more, be more. The rest is in the power of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. And that's where he takes the information and deeply roots it into our hearts and minds so that it's easily accessed the next time we need it. In the next nine verses, Matthew 25 through 34, Jesus talks about worry. And he also goes through there and he talks about why we don't need to worry. So let's get worry and concern separated. Concern is when there's an issue and you, you acknowledge that something's wrong. And it takes some thought, but you put together a plan, strategy, action step to resolve it. That's a concern. Worry is a consuming trepidation. I call it the white out of worry. It steals your time and fogs your vision. You see nothing but that, the white out of worry. So three times, 25, 31, and 34, Jesus talks about 
do not worry. And a lot of people kind of park right here and talk about, well, if he says it three times, he means it. I agree. He said it three times, he means it. But he goes on to reason with us. Not just don't worry, but here's why you don't need to worry. And he reasons with us and he uses two creatures or two of his creation. And you see, when we worry, okay, I'm going to speak to believers for a second, those who have already accepted the Lord as your Savior. When you worry, you are acting as if you do not understand God's priorities, his providence, and his plan. So you say, well, what is his priority? Right here, verse 25. Verse 25, his priority is, is not life more important than food and drink? And is your body not more important than clothes? He created us. He's saying, my priority is you. In Genesis 1.26, he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and everything that crawls on the ground. We are the crown jewel of his creation. You are the crown jewel of his creation. And you say, okay, so I believe I am his priority. What about his providence? Well, like those pictures, he says in verse 26, look at these birds of the air. Do they sow and reap and put up a bunch of stuff in a barn for later? No. And your heavenly father feeds them. He takes care of them. Look at these lilies of the field. They're beautiful. In fact, he compares them to Solomon in all his glory. And he said, I made those. And even though they are here today and gone tomorrow, I take care of those. Why would you worry about the lesser when you are my greater? He says, I take care of the lesser. How much more am I going to take care of the greater? And then he says, and by the way, the pagans run around collecting all this stuff. You don't need to do that. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Song this morning said he knows what you need before you even ask it. And he loves you so much that he wants to give it to you and care for you. So what's his plan? So we've got his priorities, that's you and I, his providence, his care for us, and he compares it to the care that he gives the rest of his creation. And then his plan. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but... It certainly is a jumping off point. Back in Genesis 1.26, he says, you are my image bearer. He created us to carry his image. Nothing else was created to carry his image. That's you. He started your heartbeat. He created your body to be his image bearer. So what do we do with that? Well, we have to become more like him. And he says that in Matthew 22.37. You know, how do, we, how do we hold up that image? He said, well, you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love others as yourself. Why? Because that's how I love you, as if you were the last person on earth to love. 
And so we carry that love. And then in Matthew 28, 19, he says, and then go and make disciples out of all nations. (laughs) You are his show and tell. He says, go show and share me with all the nations. And then Colossians 3 says, and while you're working in these things, work with all your heart as if working for the Lord. And the end of that scripture says, it is the Lord you serve. See, the purpose of your life is clear in these scriptures. You and I were meant to be image bearers, vessels to carry the love of Christ into the world. Now, in addition to that, we have assignments along the way, different assignments for different seasons of our life. But in every assignment, he asks us to work with all of our heart as is working for him. Excuse me. So here we go with another application because I have to be able to figure this out. So here we go with reflection. We reflect. This is difficult. What am I worried about? And the question is, typically, the answer is going to be, I'm worried about the lesser. But remember I said in whiteout worry, we have a hard time seeing other things. So I thought, how do, how can I get out of worry? Because you see, worry begins in the brainstem, down there where fight or flight resides. And you cannot solve a problem at the same place that it was created. That was Einstein who said that, not Mary Dunn. So you have to get out of your brainstem to solve the problem. So I thought, what if I allowed worry to trigger worship? What if I allowed my worry to trigger worship so I went to worship? Worship who he was, what he's done, how he sees me. Surely that would get me out of worry. And then the rest... So once I get there, the rest, how do I believe in the rest? I have to rest in what I know and what I know to be true. And I can rest in God's priorities, his providence, and his plan. So let me tell you a little story. This past week, I did a full-out headstand in whiteout worry. And... For about the last month, I have been collecting data and information about the Sermon on the Mount. And let me just tell you that there are volumes of books written on it, volumes. And I read books, I downloaded books, I listened to podcasts, I wrote pages and pages of notes, yellow legal tablet papers everywhere. And I found myself in the whiteout of worry just this past week. And when we're in worry, sometimes we don't actually see our own behavior because we are unaware. So I became this crazed, wackadoodle woman, and I was pacing in our house. We live in a thousand square foot barn dominium. So There was a lot of pacing. And I would pace from one room to the other, interrupt my husband and say, 
Can you, can you uh, mute that for one second? I just, I have a quick question. So right here, when he says right here, um, you cannot serve God and man, you cannot serve God and money, do you think there's something else to that? Or do you think he's saying you cannot serve God and money? What do you think? And then I'd march back into my bedroom and write some more. And then I'd come back out and I'd be like, so can I just ask you one more question? So right here, right here, when it says, do not worry, do you think he's, is there some subliminal message here? Is it there something other than do not worry? Or do you think I ought to go with do not worry? Oh, oh my stars, y'all, bless his heart. Finally, he, during one of my pacing episodes, when I was standing there like this, he looked at me and said, I grieve for the pain you're in. <laughs> he did. He said, he said, I grieve for the pain you're in. And it never occurred to me that it was pain. But that statement, those words, I'm telling you, they came from the heart of God, straight up from the heart of God. Because he said that, I grieve for the pain you're in. And I went back to the bedroom and I said, am I in pain? And you betcha, worry causes pain. It causes emotional pain, physical pain, and spiritual pain. Emotional pain, I was a, I was a wreck. I was so wrapped around the axle. Spiritual pain, absolutely, I was in the abyss all by myself. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't go down there with you, but I'm saying that you can't see him in your whiteout worry. And that's what happened. And all of a sudden, I, I surrendered. I was in so much pain, and I didn't know what to do or where to go. And so I dropped everything, and I looked at all those papers, and I said, I don't know what you want me to say. I don't know what you want me to do. I need help. And I heard God speak to my heart. <laughs> he said, do you want me to help you write this? <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> I laughed because I had this vision of him sitting at the end of my bed saying to me, so you see, all those words are in red. <clears throat> And so I actually said those. And I actually then may be the most qualified person to help you interpret those. And by the way, there is no subliminal message. That cannot means cannot, and the do not means do not, and you are why you do not. This right here, all this is why you do not. And, and so I said... Look at all this mess. And I said, some of this needs to, all of this, somehow it needs to be put into a message. And he said, you can trust me to write the message, not only because they're my words, but because I know who's going to be there. And I'm going to prepare the hearts that need to be touched about God versus mammon and worry. And all you need to do is share my word because they're my words. 
And you, my dear, need to rest. And the priorities, the providence, and the plan that I have for you. I love you so much. I hate to see you in pain. And he loves you so much. He hates to see you in pain. And watch you to walk in freedom. And I'm going to guess that there may be somebody here today who is not yet walking in that freedom because they may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that is the jumping off point. To accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior so that you can walk in the love and freedom that he offers. If you've not ever done that, there's no better time than today. Don't do this alone. And if you want somebody to pray with after service, our prayer pastor, Rhonda Patterson, Patterson will be here. Go talk to her. And rest in the love of God as you are his image bearer to the world. Walk in freedom in his priorities and his providence and believe in his plan for your life. Let's pray.